Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. Or if you want to listen in to us or other podcasts, you can find us on Spotify or anywhere else you grow yourself through podcasts. And while doing that, guys, you know, we give this away for free. The content's for free. The entrepreneurs come on here for free. So, they're all out there giving it away. They're all out there for you guys to eat up. So share it. Give it good reviews. I know not everyone loves it all the time. This is hard information. This is real entrepreneurial information from entrepreneurs that populate a majority of the entrepreneurial space, which is the food, beverage, and nutrition space. So there's more food entrepreneurs than any other space out there in the world. And I think as a whole, we would vote pretty hardcore on a global scale. Uh, if we wanted to change things globally, uh, we have a lot of say and ability to change those things. So with that being said, I would like to introduce our guests back. I can't believe they came back. They're a glutton for punishment, these two. Uh, Andrew Rogerson and Robert Barden, how are you guys doing? We're doing outstanding. Good, man. Thanks for having us. Two salty sarges from Aurora, Colorado, and uh, and we'll get into it. We'll go a little bit into your story as a brief review. But it's snowing in Colorado right now. You guys said, and it's it's pretty bad. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, the snow was going to come. It, well, it came in last night, and it's still going now. It's about approximately twenty-two degrees, and um, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> cool so um like i i guess it's march 27th as we're recording this even though it'll release in april what do you do um when it snows like this randomly in colorado during and your business is a food tra- trailer in your case we we still hook up and roll yeah we still roll we're not uh we're not like the other guys we we handle business when we have to. We were out there when it was negative five snowing. Ex- so, snapping, ex- like you said, snapping necks and catching shakes. To explain what that's like to be in the trailer when it's negative five and you guys are out there. Like to explain to me your day. Explain to me what you're going out there to do and why you're doing it. Well, first of all, it's cold as a witch's titty right there, but um, it's it, it's just it's just fun. We still we still handle it. People people love these breweries and they love our food, so it's just. We have a good time doing it. It gets a little little cumbersome, you know. You got you got the hoodie on, you got a hat on, got um, a heater going. The heater's going, and then that vent hood, as you know, Justin, that vent hood is the 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 black yeah. hole. It yeah, just that's... sucks everything. As soon as you open that serving window, it's done. It's just like negative five in the trailer, and it's so cold. And these people need to hurry up and order. Yep, that's the devil right there. So let's talk about your story just briefly. Talk to me about your guys' background a little bit briefly, what you guys did in the meantime, and then how you ended up together with a food trailer in Arvada, Colorado. We're in Aurora, Colorado. and uh, Sorry, well, Aurora. I don't know why I did that. Is there an Arvada, Colorado? Yeah, yeah there is. Okay, yeah, sorry. Aurora, Colorado. Sorry about no that. No worries, man. No, we we like we. I think we said it last time. We we met over in Germany when while we we're in the army, and uh, we we hit it off over there. And then we um, through the magic of Facebook, we hooked up over here, and uh, we started this business. 
and here we are. And what is that business? The Two Salty Sarges Gourmet Grub Food Trailer. What we do is that we sell American cuisine, which is sometimes hard to find to come by on a mobile unit. We do everything from burgers, pulled pork fries, pulled pork nachos, pulled pork sandwich. We do chicken sandwich. We do a sergeant style po' boy. We do hot dogs, uh, fried pickles, all the good stuff that is not good for you. A lot of people ask us how, how, how we became, how our menu became what it is and and we it's a simple answer we just let them know that this food that we serve is everything we like this is that that's how we got our menu this is the food we like so hopefully you like it but if not well tacos tacos is right down the road is this your favorite type of food guy i mean out of all the oh, food yeah, this- you guys have this, this, these are, these are, yeah, these are, these are items that, that each of us can probably eat every day. Yep. You know, they're, it's, it's a everyday, I can have a burger every day. He can have an Italian sausage every day. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll doctor up some things and, and figure out if we want to put it on the menu. And that's how we became with the, uh, our chicken po' boy. And not only that, Justin, um, the food is what we like, but it's it's fairly easy and fast to prepare, cook, and get out to eliminate the wait times for people. And explain that to me because you guys prep everything fresh, right? So how are you going about this? How are you getting it out the door? Like, <clears throat> I mean, you're talking about pulling pork, so all of these ingredients, but yet you're trying to move people quickly and hurry them up so they you can move more people in the time that you have in the square footage that you have because that leads to higher profitability so explain to me what that menu looks like how you're preparing it and how you're managing all of that is it just the two of you still yes yes, yes. Uh, and like like you just hit on the the pulled pork that's a that's actually a labor of love right there because we we have to we'll smoke between 20 and 40 pounds of pulled pork each time we need to do it. And sometimes we're going through almost a hundred pounds of pulled pork a week. And uh, when he says week, that's, that's four to five days. Yeah. So, so we, we, um, we get our, we get our smokers going and uh, we, we have to, that's how we prepare the pulled pork. That's the, that's the labor of love right there. Other than that, you know, burgers, you can cook those quick. You get the charbroils, 900 you know, degrees. They come out pretty simple. The customer understands we cook the order. Uh, they're going to have to wait a little bit, but we're not going to have to wait a long time. Exactly. But the, that that pulled pork will get you uh, – it's it's not difficult. It's an, it's an easy food to make, but it's just – it's a time-consuming food to make. And that's, that's how we prep it. And if we run out, that's it. You just don't, like – pull magically have a pulled pork ready to go you know it's like it's, we try it's, not to run out it's 10 to 12 hours to make uh 40 pounds wow so who does that which one of you is in charge of it or both of you take on that we, task? Both, oh, we, we, we both have trigger grills we both do it and we both smoke away very cool so talk to me about the winter time in colorado because um, last we talked is November. Everyone usually slows down, but you guys kept working. 
How did you find work? Where did you go? How have you built relationships for this business? Because you were fairly new and starting to build back then. How have you continued to do that? And how do you guys manage the business right now? And, and who's doing what? Well, we're, we're still, we're still green. We're still greenhorns right now. Um, we, we pretty much established relationships from the, from the jump. As soon as we started, we were, we were pulling everything from everybody, you know, let's try to get, get here to this brewery, this, this lunch schedule here. And people just, they love our food and people are actually just coming to us and, and and now it's it sucks because we got to turn some people away even though we love them because it's just you know we don't have the time now and so it's it's just great because i mean it sucks but it's great it's a i guess a happy medium there but um we have a we have a great following and and as you just saw we were just on the news on friday and and we had um, many people between Friday and Saturday. Was that Saturday was the last time we served, and uh, people kept coming to us. Hey, we saw you on the news. We want to try your food, and and we keep getting more and more followers, and more and more breweries are now just requesting us that we didn't we we haven't even heard of before, and they're they're actually requesting us now. So this uh, we've only been operating since July. And it's almost unheard of when we talk to other food trucks that that they actually are able to do the what we're doing. Yeah, and a lot of it, uh, Justin, is cold calls. When we first started out, that's all we did was cold call. Call this person, call this person. I get on Google Maps. I look at where good places to go. I look at the surrounding areas. And then we just call them. We call them, call them, call them, email, 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 and finally – uh, they would be a yay or nay, and, and there we go from there. But going back to what we do, we both do everything. Uh, most of the stuff is prepped in the truck, uh, you know, stored in a commissary, stuff like that. Um, everything is, you know, we can just prep stuff right there as right before cook time. So, and we both do everything. Um, Bobby has his main job is he's usually in front of the flat top grill and in the sandwich prep station. And then I do the, I take the orders. I do the fryer, the charbroil. Very cool. Um, you know, I see in the future two salty trucks and two salty trailers. The divide and conquering is that uh, something that might be in the future if you keep. I mean, you're gaining business. I feel like you both have a good reputation. I feel like if your business grows, the two may actually be more significant than you guys think. Well, let's let's talk about that because we love the truck, the mobile. But let me tell you, man, if you've never done a mobile, you don't understand. It's it's not hard work. It's a pain in the ass. To move it around with the traffic, drain the oil, you know, little stuff like that. A lot of people behind the scenes, I should say, that people don't see. But Bobby and I were talking about we're looking at getting some land. We would love to, in the near future, build our own concept of like a warehouse style with all garage doors that open up. Our food truck would serve lunch every day and then we'd have revolving food trucks at night and we would have a full bar. I like this. I like this a lot. Like the Sterling Ranch area needs stuff like that so badly. Uh, just as an example, in Colorado, you have a booming area. They're building houses. Like I swear, I think there's like 15 new houses finished every day down there. 
and oh, yeah. uh, Every, everybody needs a watering hole too. Yeah, yep. exactly. And there's not many options down there. I know that it's growing, but like that's an area. I know it's the exact opposite of Aurora, but um, it's a, I have it's funny because my cousin's daughter's name is Aurora, which throws me off. And my other cousin, who's his half brother's name, is Alethea, which is also from Den, Colorado which oh, is wow. the park that they got married in, which my, which Deborah, who is the other co-host on this podcast when we started, was actually the person who married them. Uh, my other cousin, that's why in that park, which is why the daughter's name is Alethea, but Aurora, whatever. So it's kind of, even though neither one of them are from Colorado, they both loved it. And then you have the kids name that. So it's an interesting thing. So I always think of it when I say Aurora. But anyway, I think that yeah. Sterling Ranch yeah. is a good area. And Aurora is growing as well. So in yeah. that area near the airport, I don't know what area that's called, but that area is booming. Like I, oh, I'm going to tell everyone this from a Denver standpoint. I love the Denver public transportation system. I think it's awesome and it gets to where you need to go. But getting from the airport all the way to Littleton, uh, to where where the the house is, it took me freaking two and a half hours the other day, and I was like, "Whoa, okay, like I get it, but we need to figure out a way to speed this up or make like a, a, a like a bullet train that goes around the loop or something." But anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It, Denver's a big place. There's a lot of room to grow. I think that's why it's growing so fast, and the mountains are there and convenient. But if you go basically east there's endless room to grow south endless room to grow and north you just grow into boulder eventually so um but you can also put on this well we can say this on your podcast is that uh denver and the denver metro area is full for all you guys that are not in colorado please turn around we are full yeah <laughs> it is no more people. it is well nashville's the same way if you guys, I mean, the Colorado, a lot of people from uh, California, a lot of people from New York moving to Nashville. And that's oh, kind of yeah. crazy because um, that's booming. It's like a combination of the Hollywood Hills out in like Brentwood, Franklin area, like massive wealth and growth and yep. whatever else, like the Los Angeles grew back in the day. And then you have downtown, the city where there's a river that caps you on one side, East Nashville, which is growing, but doesn't have a lot of room to grow either. And then the rest is boundaried also by interstate and eventually other cities. So the only thing to do is what Manhattan did, which is go up and take yep. over every train yard and every abandoned building and every historic building and just say, fuck it, we got to go up. And that's so it's like this weird combination of Manhattan and... Uh, Los Angeles, or sorry, New York City and Los Angeles, because yeah. even the boroughs a little bit, are a little bit um, Nashville-esque, like East Nashville and the the Hermitage and the, the regular Nashville and so on and so forth. So only reason I say that, but I understand the, the Denver thing because I couldn't believe how much it's growing, and then the land value and the taxes are just absurd at this point. Oh, so, oh yeah, here, man, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, and same in Nashville, and it's the same, and and while and people don't realize this is money moves. Uh, really, it's a balancing. So there's lots of cities in the world, in Allentown, Pennsylvania, or uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, that when other cities like boom from population growth, it usually means that um, 
other cities are losing that, are losing their populations, much like we saw a lot of people move away from the north during when car manufacturers start producing in the south to get away from the union. So, um, guys, what is it that um, what is it that inspires you? What motivates you? What keeps you going every day, even in the snow? Ah. Um, good question. That's a good question because there's some days where we just want to say fuck it, but we don't. We but get you know, drive. it's it's a it's that military mindset. I think work because we we have an excellent work ethic. It doesn't matter if you if you had a damn stroke or if you're damn just just dumb. And but we just uh we have that work ethic that gets us just gets us going. Um, if somebody sat there and requested us and we sat there and we have it on our calendar, we're going come hell or high water. We're going, we're going. it doesn't matter if there's, there's 10 inches of snow or if there's, it's freezing cold. We have, we, we signed up for it. We know what we have to do and we're going to get this shit done. Talk to me about like leadership skills, leadership attributes. Like, what do you guys admire? What do you try to uh, represent yourself in, in your community in the world? Like, because I think you've gotten one of the best leadership educations maybe in the world um, in terms of the United States military. But what is it? Talk to me about some of the anchoring things about character and leadership and how you're leading in your community now with this business. As as what the as what the military always tells you, lead from the front. We want to set that example. We want to go out there, show a good positive uh, attitude, uh, be motivated. Um, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we're tired, but we go out there and do it for leader. I mean, like you said, though, we both, you know, combined total, we have what 30, <laughs> 30 plus years in the military. And, and most of that was in a leadership role. Um, there's a lot of times we go to places and we're just like, you just look around at the leadership and it's just, it's hard to, to grasp of how people still operate. You know, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not a hundred percent true and um, the best leader there is, but we were, we were trained by some of the best uh, warriors in the world. Exactly. And some of the stuff we just see, but tell you what, Justin, we're, we're retired, man. We're, I have to get out of my mindset where I'm not in that business no more as a direct leader. We, me and Bobby are ourselves. We own the business. We have no employees. So if we do get employees, I hope I hope the hell we are the best leaders they ever had. You know, because that's something you really don't forget. You were you don't really train or learn to be a leader. You're born a leader. There's just some people that can't do it, and there's just some people that are like, This is it, time on target, make it happen. And we wake up and start running. And we always, we always, as a, as soldiers growing up in the, in the army, you always looked at your leadership and you knew the attributes that you wanted to pull from some of them. And, and some of them, you're just like, this guy's a fucking idiot and he's a damn supposed to be a leader. And, uh, yeah. so you, those are, those are some of those attributes that you, you uh, steered away from. You were like, "Yep, I'm not going to be like that." You know, it's like when you're growing up, you look at your father, and you're you're like, "Well, I'm not going to treat my son like that," or "I'm not going to treat my daughter like that." And and you try your your damnedest to uh, 
to steer away from some of this stuff, but you also try your damnedest to stay on track with some of this stuff. And that's what we do here. I agree. Agree with you. If you guys could name like one of the best leaders you guys have had and why that person was a great leader, who and why would, would you say? Well, this is, this is actually, we got the same, we have the same leader that, that we, uh, um we both had in germany and he was he is one of the uh one of the top leaders i've ever had yep and as well as andrew his name was carlos, carlos lopez, lopez. lopez yep he was from puerto rico uh we're still in contact with him today he lives in hawaii now he's married well he's been married he's a uh, he married a hawaiian girl so he lives in hawaii now and we still talk to him and, and he was he justin he didn't play no shit man he he let us have he let me have it a couple times you know because I was a I was just a, a junior enlisted uh, you know just because I'm out there doing stupid Andrew stuff you know and then here comes Bobby doing stupid Bobby stuff and then Carlos he, he don't play that stuff so he ripped our shit man and he trained us from the from the bottom on how to grow and then yep. we I I personally um, after that I did 22 years and I took a lot of his leadership tactics of how he operated. And a lot of people don't like that because we're blunt, we're truthful, and we don't put up with no shit. But I have to say it, he trained us. Yep. He he trained he, he trained you. He created us, I should say. He's he's gonna he's gonna mold you. And and if you were able yeah. to be molded into a into a great leader, he he saw that the great leadership that each of us had. He he saw the potential we had, so he was able to to take us under his wing, you can say. And you know, some people he didn't take them under their under his wing because they were just you know they're they're fuck ups, you know. And you know, you're like Andrew said, you're you're born a leader, and and he saw that in both of us, and so he was. He was definitely one of the greatest mentors I had in the army, as and as Andrew just said, one of his greatest as well. It's interesting. Um, I think his name is Mike Shanahan, but I may have that wrong. He's a football coach. He was with the Redskins for a while, and then he's gone on. Yeah, to, yeah that's him. Um, but he's one of the greatest developers of leaders underneath him. You see a lot of his coaching guys that came out of all of his years that they were underneath him are now some of the greatest head coaches in football. And um, interestingly, but what you just talked about is what he did. And then you guys weirdly went separate directions, but ended up back together mainly because you were had the same leadership, the same role model in a lot of ways, but the same ideals and character uh, traits, obviously, and leadership mentality. Obviously, you're not the exact same person. Yeah. Yeah. Work work ethic is a big one. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, you guys, obviously, he meant a lot to you guys. You mentioned him, both of you guys mentioned to him. Um, Is there a particular instance where he showed great leadership to you guys that you can think of? He would, uh, as so many, I mean, so many there, there's, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to just pinpoint one. He would show us at an early stage of our careers as me and uh, Bobby were both junior enlisted and he would bring us in. He would, uh, we're a maintenance shop. We're both diesel mechanics, track vehicle, wheeled vehicle, whatever the military has, we worked on. Yep. So 
he would bring us in at an early stage, show us how to read the print. When I say the print, it's a it's a printout shop office of all your down vehicles and what status they're in, or the what parts are being ordered. He showed us all that at a young, you know, a young age, where a lot of guys don't do that. They just let you figure it out until you get promoted and all that. But he showed us how to do that, showed us how to read it, showed us how it works, basically showed us how the military works in general. And we were overseas in that too, which was different in itself because we were in Germany. It's just being stationed overseas is a whole different concept of being stationed in the stateside. Very cool. And what do you mean by that? Um, now that you mentioned it, what's the difference between overseas and stateside other than the obvious that you don't have any family? Um, well, yeah, that's one of them. I mean, but I have my wife over there. He had his wife over there. Uh, my my first daughter, which she's 25 now, she was born over there. It it always seemed like um, in in the Big Red One where we were at the First uh, Infantry Division, uh, we were always gone. Now Andrew, he he PCSed after. Um, I left in '98. A little bit over, a little bit, I guess, about three years after. He arrived in Germany. Well, I ended up staying seven to seven and a half years, but within the within that seven seven and a half years, I was deployed multiple times, um, and we were always training for war. So within those seven and a half years, I maybe saw my family for about two and a half years. Yep, and I was there for three years, and I probably saw my my family for about a year. So, so it's gone a lot. There's a lot of training over there. There's a lot going on. We're we're there in uh, the Bosnia Herzegovina phases and all that. Um, the I four, the S four, yep, the K fours, K fours. We're there's a lot of stuff going on in Europe at that time in the in the mid '90s, and we're all part of that. And I just in general, the the military is totally different over there. Where it's like you're on your toes over there. You're in someone else's house. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I can see that you're you're in foreign land and you don't have the comfort of your your, your local people if or any local situation if things go wrong. Although I guess that could happen in your own country also sometimes. Um sure. let's go back to right, the well, that's why we got the National Guard. Yeah. Sure. So um let's talk about what the future has where are you hoping this goes you talked about having your own bar brewery um where the trucks come in and out i love that idea um what about now for this spring like i mean talk to me about how you guys are lining up things what are you excited about um and sort of maybe what's a good story from the trailer what was one of your best days so far well the first thing that excites me and probably bobby is when we can open the windows and the doors on the trailer. Yes. That's like the biggest excitement. It's like the most minute little things that people are like, really? Like you don't understand the suction that damn freaking hood vent does. So that is excitement for us. Yes. Yeah, springtime spring is going to be great. Um, hell, even like when we started up, we started up in July and it was, it was hot as balls already in July, but we started in July. So we were in the trailer a hundred between 120 and 130 degrees. Yeah, we started out as that, but now that we've been doing this 
since July, and we haven't stopped yet. We're 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 slowly growing and getting accustomed to the to the temperatures. So hopefully, when it's 120 degrees this July inside the trailer, it won't hurt as bad as it did last July. Because we're going to expect it. We know what to expect. Exactly. It was. It was. We yeah. It was. It was just. Well, our calendar. Our calendars. Uh, it goes out. We we got stuff already scheduled for this Oktoberfest. Um, we do have days off. We like our days off. So, uh, we booked a lot when we first started. I'll tell you what, Justin, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. We were just going around and trying to get everything as possible. And now we're starting to weed it out and starting to give ourselves time off. We're we're figuring the days out that actually really really don't do um, food trucks any justice you know and that's pretty much sundays and mondays they they don't they don't get a good following um tuesdays wednesdays and thursdays those are the those are the days that you're gonna make your best money in the food truck don't get me wrong saturdays you're gonna make good money you can make just as much money on a saturday in eight hours of work that you can also do on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, in an hour and a half at lunchtime. Lunch so we, 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 we figured that out, and we're trying to put some a lot of lunches on our schedule, only because when you're done with lunch, you're done. You're done. As Andrew said, we're both retired. We, uh, we, we get a paycheck no matter what, with, if we were working or not. So... We'll, we'll do that hour and a half or three hours at lunchtime and be done for the day where some of these other food trucks, this that's their sole income. So they got to wake up at seven o'clock in the morning, hit, get out, do their lunch, you know, dinner, re, re, re prep themselves, do dinner, re prep themselves again. And some of them will sit there and do a, a midnight bar shift. Well, sorry. No, we're, we're old. We're tired. We're doing this for fun. I got Judge Judy, man. I got Judge Judy. We got to watch. We got to get home. You know, we got we got puppies. We got to maintain. Yep, we got wives. We got kids. You know, and we got we got a family that we also got to take care of at the same time. How do you find these lunch gigs? How do you find them? I mean, if they're only an hour and a half, they're quick in and out. They're drive. There's we, driving time. I mean, so a lot of people are like, oh, it's not worth the time. So how do you find we, them? How do you we, rationalize the time? We're literally just driving past an area that we see it's a it's a damn warehouse and we're like, hey, let's call let's let's go see what they're doing. Let's go see how many employees they have. Let's go see how long of a lunchtime they have. If they got a half hour lunch, we're in the money because there might not be anything around that they can drive to. There might not be a McDonald's for another 20 minutes down the road. So. They're either brown bagging it or they're skipping lunch. But you know what? When the two salty sergeants show up and they got those damn Italian sausages or the damn chicken po' boys and they, you smell that, Six minutes you're, you're, time. you're getting your damn food yep. and you're eating your lunch. A lot of times, like I said before, Justin, we get on Google Earth. Like I said, Bobby's fairly new to the Denver metro area. I've been here th- since 2012 and um, I was actually a heavy hauler. So I drove almost this whole state. 
So I know where a lot of places are. So we'll get on Google Earth and look at different buildings, and then we'll we'll click on it and we'll start calling these cats. Hey, you guys want to do lunch? We do Arapahoe County Sheriff. You know, we're, I'm still waiting for Aurora PD to get back. Um, Aurora Fire Department. Little stuff like that. Lunches like that. So. I love this. I love all of it. And, you know, you guys are, are probably some of the coolest um, guys I know or had on the podcast just because of your story, your energy, the way you guys um, do your do your thing. Um, let's talk about the um, the menu. Let's talk about what happens if if you do an event and someone asks for customization do you guys do that do you huh. only have certain things is it like is it this no soup for you you get the chicken soup and no. and that's it and, yeah, and we, so talk no, to me about how you adjust to that because if you guys background is mechanics and stuff like that food is is something new to you guys you guys have always cooked and loved food but talk to me how you you go about this no, we, we will customize every, all, all orders. You know, we get, we have nothing but meats on our truck, but you know what? We go to these bars, bars and, and we get these vegetarians or we get some vegans. We get, we get all sorts of people and they're like, Oh, do we have this option? We can, we will contour our menu the best we can to satisfy every single customer. Even though, I mean, you you talk to us and they're like, oh, my God, these guys are, I mean, just just their name. They're salty. We know that. But you know what? We're probably the nicest people in the world until you piss us off. <laughs> yeah, the, the menu is great, man. We love the menu. Like like Bobby said earlier, we tell these people all the time because, you know, just like when you go to a restaurant and my wife says the same thing. She goes, I always do that, too. What do you like? No, the menu is what we like. And I tell them, too, if you don't like it, that's too bad because this is what we like. But like Bobby was saying, we can customize something like a, a, a gal came to the window the other day, wanted a grilled cheese. So we hooked her up with a grilled cheese. We don't even sell grilled cheese, but we got you. I got I got a grilled cheese. I'll, I'll make a, a bartender. She she loves having um, – she's, yeah. she's a vegetarian, but we, we have our peppers and onions that we saute for our, uh, our Italian sausage. And I'll I'll saute some peppers and onions for her. Throw she some cheese on there, a little bit of pimento cheese over a bed of French fries, and she she tears that shit up. She loves it every time. I love it. I love that you guys are so accommodating, and I love that you guys adjust um, for the clients and the customers because I think if you have it on your truck, why not make it an option that works? Exactly. If you have the ingredients, I agree with that one hundred percent. There's just the one issue with um, with uh, some of our customers. They may have the celiac. Celiac is a big Unfortunately, our whole trailer is contaminated with breading and meat and everything that will make a person with celiac very ill. So, so if they're gluten free by choice, that's different. That's different. We'll let them know. But if they're gluten free due to celiac, we also will let them know that they they can't have anything. I wouldn't even serve them. I'm, I, we have insurance for that, but you know what? I'm not trying to not trying to, to pay a deductible yeah. for for you going to the hospital. 
I love it. I agree with you, um, one hundred percent. And I and I think that it's just like peanuts. Like you, if you're you're allergic to peanuts, you're not walking into Five Guys, and they're gonna let you know not to come in the door. Um, so I think that that's just what we deal with. And you know, it is what it is. It, you try to adjust for everyone, but it's impossible. It's impossible to have every variable for every human. And so it's impossible to make everybody happy too. That, that's that's yeah. also one of those attributes we can also attest to the military is uh you you adjust and overcome you know when when that when there's an obstacle in front of you 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 figure out a way to to go around it or through it and that's what we do we go you through know, it usually we're gonna through hey we're <laughs> gonna we're gonna take barb and r- drive through right through that shit so but it's a it's 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 ex- extremely fun doing doing what we do we we were just talking about this the other day this is probably the most fun at a job that we've ever had. Not only do we get paid to fuck off and talk shit to people, we also can drink for free. For free. Oh yeah, I didn't think about that at at the at the <laughs> breweries. <laughs> Which you know, I'm not a micro brew kind of guy, micro brew kind of guy. Well, some of them are good. Some of them are good, but you know, it's just we try them and we go from there. You know. There are a lot of them in Colorado, that's for sure. Oh my and, god! Man, and these, they these, these these guys do not play with their their brew house, man. And they these are proud. Are Eleven ready to drink. I mean, Jesus they, Lord, man. They are proud of their brews too. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a labor of love, and it's their children. And I mean, these yeah. guys spend a lot of time and girls, and they are doing it all over the country for a world that was so weirdly non-competitive now it seems like to a world that there's different types of beer created by different types of people on every corner in every block again like it used to be back in the day like before anheuser-busch was like oh i'm gonna do a beer across the whole country because he's basically the one who really started pushing that and figured out how to do it in refrigerated trailers or on railroad cars and things like that and in bottles in the 18 1890s and so I believe 1880s, 1890s, somewhere around there. But I think that um, in entrepreneurial ingenuity was ultimately leveraged with a good product, and that's what it ended up being. But we're almost going backwards again. Now everyone's custom palette is what's coming to the forefront, um, hopefully safely, you know, because I think that, again, it's it's a different – it's nearly impossible to do all the regulation and all that, just like in food and multiple food entrepreneurs and all that. So – I recommend everyone to look at who you're getting it from. But in the United States, we do a pretty good job of, of looking at all of those regulations. And I do know like this microbrewery fad is starting to go across the world. Um, we're seeing it yes, everywhere. It yeah, And it so um, just like the burger craze is just weirdly like just becoming so impactful everywhere. And I know there are hamburgers and McDonald's went across the world and everything. And they've been around for a long time. But um it's quite incredible until McDonald's or hamburger was, or companies like it, it was a really a round ball smashed onto a grill and then thrown on a bun. Um, and you know, we know what it is today as a hamburger because of that, but it's now all over the world. And so, um, I think that's pretty cool. The, um, before we get off, 
Is there anything you guys want to share? Like what lessons have you guys learned recently? What are you learning about the food business that you didn't know before? Or maybe about being entrepreneurs that you didn't know before? Like share some of that with us. Taxes. Yes, taxes on the entrepreneur side. Taxes suck. Taxes suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have a CPA. She does her taxes. Um, it's just, it's crunch time, you know, doing them every quarter. And now we're at the end of the year. We're filing. And uh, we got to make sure we do that first. If we're going to file our own personal taxes. It's just a lot of stuff that I never really was good at taxes. Hell, I can barely tie my shoes, let alone do taxes for myself let alone a business yeah but yeah but for food wise there's always we learn something new every day every time we're in that trailer like oh man if we do it like this yeah let's try this yep so there's always something you know from our first day where we're doing circles like um two monkeys fucking a football in the trailer we had no idea what we're doing here we are doing a circle jerk and now we are like oh if we do this this and this now we're we're pretty good yeah, we we, but we still learn. Every when day. we first started up, it took us probably between 45 minutes and an hour to set up and another 45 minutes to an hour to break down. We got that shit down to 15 minutes. 15 minutes. We're up and to, to To start up, to open that window, to have fresh food, not frozen, fresh. This is not, this is not your, your, it's not a crock pot freaking food trailer is uh you're gonna you're gonna order a burger you're gonna you're gonna wait 15 minutes you know it's but it's probably one of the better burgers that you're gonna have so and uh but we got that stuff down pat and each of us can cover down for each other one has to go to the bathroom one has family that comes over and wants to say hi you know friends come over for because uh this is the first time they've seen the food truck and, and they want to go socialize for a minute. We cover down for each other. And that's, that's how, that's how it's supposed to work. And we get a lot of support. Like Bobby, Bobby said for friends, his, uh, his motorcycle crew comes over. Uh, then, you know, I've had probably 300 jobs since I retired, you know, in the civilian sector and those guys come around they come hang out. So they really do a good job in supporting us, you know? Yep. Yeah, that's really awesome. And I think that, um, that you guys, you know, you guys build relationships, you have loyalty, you're driven, um, you're motivated, you have the right core values. So I think that all of that's translating into your business and the brand that you guys are building. And right now, you're working in your business, eventually, you'll work more on your business. But I would say that by the nature of who you guys are, by the nature of coming on this podcast and doing the news coverage, you're starting to find momentum and and you're starting to see that working on your business and, and picking and choosing when you're in your business and versus on your business are becoming pretty valuable. So I think that you guys are growing that way as entrepreneurs that I think is pretty important. The other thing I like about what you guys are doing is the word of mouth is particularly an effective marketing and advertising thing and it takes time and it takes patience, but you guys are proving and showing that it is a valuable method. And and while you may not be everyone's cup of tea, I guess, 
the thing is, is what you're doing is you're you're being who you guys are and you've served your country, which meant you served all the inhabitants that are here, which means that in your model of your restaurant, you're serving everyone and trying to make sure that if you have the options on the truck, that you can service them. Meaning, even though you lead from the front, you are a servant leader in all respects. Yes. And yep. that's a good way to put it. Yep. And I think that that's, um, that's what we're talking about here. And so, um, I appreciate you guys. Um, and I think you guys are great. Um, what's been the hardest parts for you guys? Um, what, is there anything you look back on and wish you would have done differently? Uh, um, probably just having, the. I don't know, mentally prepared because like, like that first day, Andrew and I, we, well, we got, we got hammered. We didn't have a, uh, as you could say, a soft opening. We got hammered. We did an event for our first gig and we did an event menu. It wasn't the full menu. And then we realized right we, then and there, we, we are not to, advanced people. We need to change our menu. Yeah, we're we're not event people. We're not. You probably won't ever see us at a fair, or a carnival, or a carnival, or, or a fest, because we you, can't get that food out in a normal ticket time. Because we're not we handing you shitty we, food. We don't have crock pots. We're not going to jeopardize our integrity of our product to make it faster. Where I'm going to oh, let's make thirty burgers, wrap them, and then just start pushing them out the window because that's not who we are, what we do, or what our um, our motto is. You, you come you come to the Two Salty Sarges food truck not only for exceptional food, but you're here for an experience when Andrew's going to take your order and you're going to hear me talking shit in the background as I'm cooking your food because you you, you laugh about it. We, we love seeing people come up to the window that we know have a sense of humor and we can actually mess with them and they'll mess with us right back. And it's an experience. You come to two salty sarges for great food and have an experience. Love it. And I love that you guys stick to who you are and, and your leadership skills and uh, you've had good leaders. So I think that that's all part of it is that continuous education, that willingness to learn. And then obviously you guys are leaders yourself in the military, but you're also leading now by being on the podcast, by going to these events, by doing the things that you're doing. People see how hard you guys are working and the humans out there, we catch things. We don't get taught things. And I don't know if that right. makes yeah. sense to anyone, but too often, even as parents, and I'm going to go on a little tangent here because I think it's important. It's a question that I've got on the podcast a couple times. So we all think that we can teach people to be different. We all, and even on this podcast, you heard him say he created me, he molded me. That's what I'm talking about. It's not that, and while he was hard and direct and gave boundaries, what actually happened is he modeled the things that he was doing also and that he was educating you guys on. And then you guys turned around and did the same thing for the, the individuals and humans you led, but it was caught. That's why he stands out in front of everyone. Lopez, I believe, was his last name, but maybe I'm wrong. What was his name? D D Carlos, Carlos Diaz 
Lopez. Oh, he's it was. God, I got it. Names. Damn. Yeah, he's got, yeah, he's got a lot of names. The memory's coming back, man. There was a while there where I was so stressed over life where the memory was hurting. But, yes, that's good. Lopez. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm literally working with a half a brain and uh, from being blown up in the war. And he he's one guy. If, if I can remember your name and, and a lot of things about you, you had an impact on me. But if I didn't, if I, if I can't remember you or anything, anything about you, you, but you can remember me and everything I did for you, I'm sorry. I, you didn't, didn't have that much of an impact in my life. And I'm sorry about that. But, uh, Carlos, he, he, he was, uh, he was one of the best. Yep. He still is. We still talk to him. Not daily, but we we, we, we talk to him a lot. Sending TikToks and memes, you know, all that dumb shit. Maybe he'll be a franchisee owner of a two salty Sarges in uh, Hawaii one day, or his kids. You never know. You know, you never <laughs> know, know right? what that legacy builds. So yeah, one, of, one of one of his sons is in the military as well. well there you go. But and and yes, yeah, so that's you know that's my point. As I think that even though you go in the military to learn leadership skills, the ones who come out with them caught them, and they learn from the best leaders, not necessarily because of the military. While the military gives the structure and the boundaries, not every individual that goes in there is a great leader. Um, more than likely, you'll you'll become one. Um, and the military, by just the sense of the individual who goes in there. Um, I feel like they're already inclined to be leaders, but that's just my point of view. But just like entrepreneurs, there's a lot of the same. There's a lot of that mentality. You are going to war. It's just different, and, and it's with yourself. And and maybe the military is the same. There is probably a war with yourself that goes on in your creation of who you become as men. And I would say it's the same as an entrepreneur who I can say as men because I'm not a woman. I can't relate but I do imagine it's the same, is who we become because of our entrepreneurial journeys or military journeys or whatever. And those hardships create us and mold us and make us the leaders or good or bad. Um, I would say bad leaders are the ones who actually run away from things or don't deal with their things. Or if they do run away, don't go back and then deal with them or admit they made a mistake. You know? Um, Yep, yep. That's the big one, I think, is like ultimately the biggest one for me in the end is all the leaderships together, but it's then in the end, okay, I made a mistake. I admit it. I know it doesn't... You got to own it. You got to own own it. You got to own your fuck up. Yeah, and then you got to make sure that everyone learns from it. Like, I don't care how hard it is. You got to be truthful and your family, your friends. It's not about who did what to who, and this is personal relationships too. It's not who did what to who, okay? It happened, but if we can learn from it together and maybe see that why it happened, maybe it is one individual's fault, but you're a team, so we figure this out together. Um, I think that, and we figure out how to do it in the future maybe so we can not make, we can help each other make sure it doesn't happen in the future. I think there are things like that. So to answer the question on how, I manage that stuff. This is the episode in my leadership skills. Like personally, I mess up all the time. Like there's not like, there's never one leadership situation that's ever the same. It's just how fast can I make decisions um, based on the skills that I have. And I'm not in um, a crisis mode. I want to make that. It's the cover and move thing that you guys talked about. 
It's that can I cover long enough so someone else can move into a position to cover me while then I can pick my head up and come up with a plan. That's the first thing I do usually because any crisis, even as an entrepreneur, I've got to be the first one on on the ground handling the fire, triaging it, figuring out what's going on, and then setting up that process and then knowing that I've got to put someone in place to handle that triage or whatever is going on and then take a step back, pick my head up and look at everything that's going on and then come up with the next step and then build, put someone in place, build, put someone in place, build, put someone in place, build or put a team in place. And that's the type of thing that I think is also important. But it's you've got to be willing to make the mistakes and you've got to be willing to sometimes like almost look like a fool or dishonest or whatever because you make a decision based on things then you're like okay well that changed and i'm making a different decision and this is the information i had now well what is it did you have the different information before no something new happened i changed my mind but in today's world everyone's like well you said this before well that's before new information came in and i see that a lot in non-leaders questioning leaders well you said this before well of course he did before now he has new information if he admits he was wrong and says he has new information then yeah. why do we get caught up on what he said and so i yeah. find that, that interesting that right there justin is the civilian sector and the military it changes 25 times a day so yeah. we're already ready for it and also just to hit up on on what you just said you also um you have to swallow your pride sometimes people have to swallow their pride they might think they're the best but you there there's always somebody better than you yes sir so you have to swallow your pride. If, if somebody comes up to you and has a, has a, you have a good idea, but theirs is better, you're going to have to swallow your pride and you're going to have to, you're going to take their idea. Yeah, I agree with that. And life, I feel like instead of life um, get, giving you less of that as you get older, you actually weirdly get more and everyone's like, oh, you get wiser as you get older. You do. But the thing about being wiser is you listen more. You, you, exactly. You hear things more. You see things with with better eyes um, based on experience. And you're able to, if you really pay attention in life, like there's a lot of people that get more and more survivor mode through life, hyper, more stress. They let the personal and family issues build up more and more and more and more and more or whatever past stress or trauma. And um, instead of dealing with it, instead of moving forward through life and, and using the options that are out there in any way, friendships, entrepreneurism, finding purpose, God, whatever it is that the individuals need to find, programs, um, then it opens up new things, new leadership things, things where you're stacking up skills from previous life to go into a new life or a new opportunity. Or, you know, everyone can see this in the military, which is why I want to use this again for these questions is you're stacking skills, not with the intent of staying in the military for the rest of your life. Like no one's like, oh, I mean, maybe there's like one out of every 3,000 if I'm, that's like, oh, I'm going to be in the military for the rest of my life and never retire. I don't know if that's ever been done. I think at some point everyone has to retire, but, um, yeah. yeah. And so like, that's where I'm like, this is, it's, we have transitions and we have stepping stones. And if we look at life in our leadership skills, as we're accumulating and learning from those around us, like we just talked about what not to do, what not to do, what not to do. Okay. Well, there's something to do. There's something to do. Okay. There's an individual that encapsulates most things that I want to do. What does he do? How do I catch some of what he has by being around him, by asking him questions, by learning from him, by keeping my mouth shut and my ears open. 
And I think yep. that that's a lot of it. That's mentors, that's sponsors, that's whatever avenue bosses that end up being good leaders. And I think those are the ones that anyone who's really interested in being good leaders, when you ask me who's the leaders and who to go to and where can you find the best mentors, I don't know who it is for you. But for me, I use podcasts like on a general thinking, but in my individual life, I actually have to use the individual everyday humans as my a lot of my motivation, the people that I know, um, even if it's people that are wealthier than me and giving more to the world, like they generally have a human side to them, a extreme humbleness. And they I also have an ability to hear them and see them and um, not only that, they have things that I want or qualities that I want from them or that I want to grow in or want to be more like them in. And obviously, it's a balancing act. You don't want to go throwing off one good thing for another good thing. But generally, I don't. I find everything good grows when you invest in goodness. So um, that's what I'm going to say. That I will also say this in regards to the survivor mode versus the other mode. When you embrace leadership and you're an entrepreneur and you start to live life and embrace life and the changes and not keep getting caught up in more and more drama or um, victim mentality or whatever it is, you actually find more composure and peace and joy in life. And I know that doesn't make sense by not by not directly dealing with it. You deal with it. You're just dealing with it in a way that moves forward and growing from it. How? Why did this happen? What happened? How do I deal with it? How do I lead through it so that other people who might go through the same thing can also lead through it? Because if I'm going to have to go through it, other people are going to be going through it too, through it as well. So I might as well lead through it just in case there's someone around me that might catch it also that's in a similar situation and wants to lead also because I can guide them. But if they don't want it, there's no point in me guiding them. So that's what I'm talking about. They've got to catch it, meaning they've got to be a willing participant of catching what I'm throwing, picking up what I'm putting down, smelling what I'm stepping in. And so that's that's part of it. And in the military and entrepreneur world and small business, generally, we if you're an entrepreneur or you're in military, you find a lot of people that hopefully are coming in because they want that for their lives. That's not always the case. And um, I think. People think life is easier than it really is, unfortunately. And some people do have an easier lot in life, but I think eventually it catches up with them. So that's part of the way it goes. Life is rough, man. You got to be tough. Yeah, exactly. So thank you guys for coming on the show. I appreciate you guys. Where can they find you guys online? You can find us at uh, twosaltysarges.com, which is our website. It gives you a uh, weekend event schedule. Got some pictures on there. Everything is going to be two salty sarges. The number two, not T-W-O, not T-O-O. Number two, salty sarges. We have Facebook. We have Instagram. We do TikToks. Awesome. Thank you guys for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys, everyone, for listening in. I'm definitely going to come out and visit you guys next time I'm in Colorado. For lunch, it sounds like it's the best time to go. I'll have to track you down, chase you from neighborhood to neighborhood or warehouse to warehouse, <laughs> wherever you guys are going. And um, thanks. Thank you. Thank you once again for having us. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And everyone, the audience, thank you guys again. Keep sharing the episodes. Word of mouth is the best way, but obviously giving us five stars or a highest amount of ratings you can and giving reviews and comments to the food entrepreneurs that you like. So I always encourage entrepreneurs to come on the show 
to tell your friends and your family to give good reviews and write good comments on your episodes because it helps your episodes get more momentum. And Google, Google reviews. Google reviews. Google reviews. Yeah. yeah. Google reviews are very important. As you know, Justin, being a small business, is we strive off of feedback and just the word of mouth. This is how we, we continually to grow. You know? And ever since we did that Channel 2 and uh, Fox 31 newscast. Um, Two days. We, I mean, Friday. We've grown. We've grown. Not a lot, lot, but we've had a lot of a lot of new uh, customers on Facebook, Instagram, and we had a lot of emails wanting to know where we're at, how we're doing it. We had a lot of customers just on uh, on Friday afternoon or Friday evening and Saturday when we were cooking. They actually came out and saw us because they saw us on the news. Love it, love it. All yes, right, sir. thank you guys. I appreciate you, and you guys have an amazing day. Um, hopefully that snow doesn't last too long, but uh, I can't imagine it's fun. So it looks like it stopped snowing now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, and it's pretty early in the morning there still. So there's that, I guess. Um, but anyway, thank you again. And thank you everyone for listening in and we're out. All right. Thanks.